0: Hey guys, welcome to our Daniel Company, fix the camera here, training. Hopefully I don't have any attack cats this week. Last week, or the week before last, was pretty uh, dramatic and traumatic. But I wanted to do our part two of Judgment Decreed on the Daniel Company Um, before we even forgot what the heck we were talking about the last time. And, um, so this is in Daniel chapter five, we're going to start with verses 13 through 16. And, um, I think this will be encouraging for those of you that maybe have ever felt like they had imposter syndrome, or maybe people didn't respect your expertise, or maybe you felt like you were in over your head or out of your league. And uh, so in verse 13, we have Daniel going before Bel, uh, let's see, Belshazzar because of the writing on the wall. And the only reason that Daniel is called to solve this riddle is because the queen mother remembers Daniel and remembers how helpful he was to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is neat because, I mean, it seems like maybe Daniel has just gone under the radar, which you probably didn't mind or maybe he's semi-retired or retired, and he had such a lasting impact, and his gift made such a way for him before kings that even with all the other people that have taken his place since he was uh, Nebuchadnezzar's you know, chief ma- magician, here the Queen Mother remembers the impact that he had, and he's able to come to service uh, for the next generation, but also, and actually be two generations because Belshazzar was Nebuchadnezzar's uh, grandson, but also you've got a situation where another kingdom is about to come into play and Nebuchadnezzar is going to have a role in that. And so I like that, you know, for those of us that we have some gray in our hair and, uh, you know, might feel left behind, might feel like it's too late, might feel like um, we've passed our prime, that in the kingdom of God. There is no such thing. So he's before the king. Verse 13, the king asked him, are you Daniel? Now pay attention to this phrase. One of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar. I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Now, um, I want you to notice the phrase, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, why did he say that? Um, I'm sure there's not like a, a bunch of Daniels running around because that was a Jewish name. Um, maybe so. Maybe he's, you know, thinking they brought him the wrong Daniel. I actually think what's going on here is he's reminding Daniel that he's a nobody. He's reminding Daniel that he's an exile, that he is a prisoner of war, and in Babylon, in that kingdom... Belshazzar is the top dog. I mean it almost feels like that to me. And you know he might, I mean again I guess we could give the benefit of the doubt he's trying to make sure he's a right Daniel but I doubt it. And uh, I wanted to say that if it was a slight, Daniel simply ignored what the king said or what he was trying to do because his identity and his confidence is not in how others see him His identity and his confidence is in how God sees him and what his role is. He doesn't need the commendation of man. He doesn't need the approval and rejection doesn't sway him either. And that is a a true mark of a marketplace apostle to me. It's a person that you're a person of service and whether people recognize that or not can mean very little to you your only goal is to serve those that god puts in front of you and so i really like this um you know even though he's being reminded that he's a vanquished foe that he's an exile um it doesn't phase him as far as giving his utmost service and operating as if he works for god which the bible says you know when we work we work as unto the lord our work is a form of our worship and, and you know one of the things that um i encountered a few years ago uh where this is kind of similar uh, a guy had scheduled a meeting for uh myself him and another lady that also had background in marketing now at the time i had just started my business but i had a few good successes under my belt i mean i'd worked myself out of one job um another business had made uh millions um from what we did another one had increased their um, business by 19%. So I, I was seeing that what I was doing was working, uh, and I was also seeing the pattern and kind of coming up with my system of what was working. So at this point, I kind of figured a few things out. You know, It's where you get into that conscious, conscious competence. I knew uh, I was beginning to demonstrate um, I had never asked to be in, uh, digital marketing or social media, media stuff. In fact, that wasn't my business model. Um, but when one of my clients said, Hey, do you do that? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. I do that. Uh, I definitely had the training. I'd done the, the education part. Um, but, you know, I, I hadn't had that client and that considered that was something I was supposed to do. So anyway, I've got a few clients. I've got some, you know, some stuff that I've done. And this lady and myself, we were talking about the marketing strategy for this organization and I couldn't figure out why she was there either. Like, um, I didn't know if maybe it was like a brainstorming is what I, I think it was. And um, So anyway, she mentioned a couple things and they were kind of old school and I didn't see how they were going to fit with what we were um, going to try to achieve on social media and all that. So I asked a couple questions and finally she just put everything down and and I knew this lady I'd you know met her a a couple years before and I was excited that she was at the meeting but it got a little bit confusing as to what the role and the purpose was and she said where did you go to school and uh, I said I haven't gone to school now my training was from some of the best but it wasn't in a formal education and, um, well, you know, how do you know, I mean, and I said, because I've got clients, I've made them lots of money. That's how I know. And, um, and you could tell she was confused. You know, it was the typical, I've gone to college for this, you know, advertising and marketing. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah. Where are you getting your authority to say that you know what you're doing? And uh, so anyway, it didn't go well. Um, I think she was probably offended that I was in the room. Um and offended that I was asking questions. Anyway, I'm the one that ended up doing the work um, and hopefully I've been able to serve my client well. But that was one of those moments where the questions were designed to make me feel this small. They were designed to make me doubt my ability, um, to make me feel inferior uh, to the other individual. Now whether she meant to do that, I can't say what her motives were. I just know that the tone and the questions asked made me feel that way, or the the attempted to make me feel that way, but I recognized what it was. Not only that, but I have the personality that's very hard to intimidate me. And so, you know, she left and I was like, what the heck was that? You know, and the individual's like, well, I just thought we could brainstorm, which I figured that's what was going on. I said, yeah, um, let's not do that again. Next time, give us a heads up and kind of what you're wanting from both of us, because it caught her off guard as well. So as a marketplace minister and in particular particular as a Christian, you have to know there are going to be people that are going to attack your expertise. They're gonna attack your ability. They're gonna attack who you are. They're gonna make you question, if you're not careful, whether you can do the job or not. And so my confidence is not in my ability whatsoever. Now, I'm very diligent. I'm always learning new things. I'm you know, reevaluating things, but I can tell you there are plenty of times where I'm in the middle of a meeting and I have no idea how to solve a problem and I rely on Holy Spirit a hundred percent for my business success. So titles, background, education, none of that is important if Holy Spirit has trained you and positioned you. And your particular area of expertise in the marketplace so don't let people make you feel less than but don't take offense at it if they do like Daniel he didn't take offense he was being called an exile a vanquished foe he went ahead and served Belshazzar so being self-conscious or overly conscious will shut down your ability to operate in your natural and supernatural giftings okay so you need to make sure that um, you handle rejection and praise the same, meaning neither one really matters. Um, You know, when people praise me or they tell me thank you, I just say thank you. And me and Holy Spirit both know who the genius is in the room. It ain't me. Uh, When people reject me, it's like, well, I guess this is an opportunity to uh, not get offended and to move on. And um, so rejection and praise, they're really the same coin just flipped where the one people want to honor you you need to allow them the space to do so unless it's flattery. You need to you need to recognize flattery like with a 10-foot pole because people that flatter, they're manipulating you and they want something from you. And so I don't buy into flattery but genuine appreciation and compliments, I'll accept those and say thank you. Rejection, it's like I don't have to work for you. So, I mean you can make that decision if there's someone that's always attacking you or your ability, you can decide, you and Holy Spirit alone, whether you want to continue to work with that person. I mean, I've had a couple people like, we're not gonna mesh, so you're fired as a client. Of course, I didn't phrase it that way, but sometimes you just gotta cut those suckers off. So, um, just live before an audience of one. That is the best advice I can give you, so you can navigate through the marketplace in any of the praise and rejection you might experience You can navigate well through it because if God commends you, who? what does it matter if anybody else does? And God won't reject us, so who cares if other people do? So they're really good opportunities to kill ego. So in verse 17, Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts or give them to someone else. But I will tell you what the writing means. Oh, and I forgot to tell you. He said that you'll become, oh no, I read it, I think, that you'll become, um, you'll have a gold chain placed around your neck, you'll have uh, purple robes of royal honor, you'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel's like, yeah, you can keep all of that or give it to this guy over here. Uh, He said, but I'm going to tell you what the writing means. He said, your majesty, the most high God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor Nebuchadnezzar he made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear he killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare he honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace but when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory he was driven from wild society or from human society He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven, until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. Now, just real quick, for democracy's sake, this is in kingdoms, okay? In, in a democracy, you vote your rulers in. That's why it's so important to hear God on who to vote for. So we have to make sure that we're not boxing America into a um, monar- monarchy. We are a democracy that requires our cooperation in getting righteous people in uh, office. So, you know, Daniel's not interested in any of these empty promises. Uh, I think even when Nebuchadnezzar put him in charge over the, the magicians, um, He recognized the opportunity that was to have influence, um, for the future. But when it comes to money, position, or power, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about that, which is really neat. But he's also being very direct with Belshazzar, where with Nebuchadnezzar, he was definitely direct, but he would start statements off like, may it be your enemy and not you. You know, like he, you could see that he actually genuinely loved Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but here he's just like, you can keep your stuff. And he reminded him of the arrogance that brought his grandfather to the point of being like an animal, which by the way, there's historical evidence that did occur. Um, so that's, you know, pretty interesting. So then verse 22, he says, you are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. See, it's a greater sin. There's a greater consequence to knowing something and willfully doing what you know you shouldn't do. There's a difference between doing something and you're, and you don't know and, and God may warn you and then you pay the consequence. But if you've heard the story that your grandfather, because of his pride, was like a wild animal, then why would you act so prideful? And then he points out his pride. He said, you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven, and have had these cups from his temple brought before you, you and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write this message. And that's so important. You know, he's rebuking him for not learning from the lesson of Nebuchadnezzar. And it's the bane of all those in power that, you know, here, power corrupts, uh, let's see, completely, or how does that go? Um, Complete power, absolute power corrupts absolutely, I think is how it goes. In fact, that's why uh, with our Constitution, they set three branches of government that are separate and co-equal because they didn't want power to be consolidated uh, because of the fallen nature of mankind you know the the founding fathers in the Bible lets us know that people are not inherently good in fact when Jesus was called good he says no one is good but God why do you say that and uh, and he, I think he was personally trying to point out that he was God in the flesh but the guy didn't get it but man is born with a fallen nature and you have to be born again to have a new nature. So for that reason, we have these separate aspects of government because man will inherently gravitate toward power. And and so he's you know saying, You knew the story. You you have allowed the power and the wealth that you have, the glory that you have that's given to you only by God to corrupt you, and you've insulted God by what you've done, basically. So he didn't just you know, not repent of pride, he actually insulted the God of Israel by bringing the articles out and saluting all the other idols. I mean, he went way beyond what Nebuchadnezzar uh, did with his um, pride and what he built. This is a message that was written, many, many, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Many means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign, has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You've been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in royal robes. A gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Uh, now, you know... Even though he heard this word of judgment, like God has found you wanting, uh, your kingdom has come to an end, he still kept his word with uh, Daniel. But, of course, Daniel (laughs) really didn't matter because the Medes and the Persians are, like, right outside. It's a very interesting history, actually, which we'll get into a little bit as we go through this study. Um, But now the golden head of the statue has been brought to an end and the arms of the Meadow Persian, the bear that's lopsided, has now taken over um, as the world power. So Daniel is seeing the transition that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about, Daniel dreamed about, it's now happening. And uh, I'm I'm sure it gave him chills. Um, So anyway, what's what's interesting is King Cyrus took Babylon, this this event right here, October 29th, uh, 539 BC. Um, It was October 29th, 2016, that God actually told me I was in Florida and I saw that Comey was going to reopen the investigation on Hillary Clinton, which they were all in cahoots. So there was actually no reopening um, on that day. And the Lord told me Donald Trump just won the election. And if you look at the Google um, spikes as far as searches, it was how to change your vote. And also independence began to um, research President Trump. And uh, so he was a 45th president of the United States. Isaiah 45 is a very fitting uh, chapter for um, uh, President Trump, and I just found it interesting on both the same date, October 29th. um, The prophetic significance was pretty impactful. Now, um, why am I telling you this? Because people say that God's not political, bull, he's very political, uh, but not in the sense we think. Uh, If you look at Psalm chapter 1, No, I'm sorry. Chapter two. And then if you look at verse seven, the Lord proclaims, or the King proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession, and you will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. So the political aspect of father is he's after nations. Jesus said, go and make disciples out of nations. And yes, evangelizing the one is absolutely legitimate in the kingdom of God. But we have forgotten that our original mandate is to disciple nations. We need to be thinking nations because that's what God is after. And that's why uh, the future of America is so crucial. We want to make sure that we are a sheep nation, which is determined by how a nation treats Christians and Jews. And the Bible is full of political stories. I mean Moses and the Pharaoh, David, Saul, Joseph, Daniel. I mean the list goes on and on. In fact, a lot of the things that the Lord said that we don't understand were actually political statements. Like one was, do you go out to battle without counting the cost or something like that? That was actually referencing a battle that one of the Caesars went to, I think it might have been Tiberius, and he lost because he didn't properly prepare and it was a big embarrassment. So the Lord repeatedly said things that were political. Uh, but the nations, the kingdoms of God is what God is after, or the kingdoms of this world are what God is after, and our role as marketplace ministers is very important in that plan. This is why he said, oh, I've got to here my notes, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Our influence in the marketplace collectively as the Ecclesia, as the Christ followers, can determine whether our city, our county, our state, and our nation is a sheep nation. Don't underestimate your role. Don't underestimate your influence. Um, Just keep doing what you're doing very, very well with the heart of a servant. And your gifting, both supernatural and natural, will make a way for you um, to go before Kings, and I can 100% verify that's accurate. Um, Go to churchshift.me if you want some more marketplace training, and also, um, beginning January 19th, every Thursday, for I think it's a five-week study, We're going to talk about your purpose and your calling, but I'm starting a Bible study just for business owners and professionals. I'm calling it BOW, business owners in the word. Um, I'd like to call it business owners and professionals in the word, but but BAPOW just sounded a little bit weird, but it's for anybody that's in a professional setting. And we're going to study the word specific to your role as a business owner and as a professional, you know, pastors, uh, it's rare that they teach things that are marketplace focused. And being a business owner, being in the ministry since 2006, I um, had a church for 10 years. Um, you know, being a you know a person that absolutely loves business and that's equipped and trained people for a long time. Been born again since I was 1989. I felt that my role is to equip and train professionals and business owners uh, in their Uh, their role, how to navigate through the marketplace well, the unique things that we encounter that maybe you don't if you're in full-time ministry, like all of those things, um, they're important and we need to know how to navigate through them in a way that's effective, in a way that is well for us and our soul. Um, But it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be at the chamber. You don't have to be a chamber member. They're just letting us um, and graciously letting us use our facility. And I'm thinking lunch is going to be provided unless we get way too many people. Um, and then I may have to rethink that. And you might it might be a good idea to bring something. But either way, I'll let you know. Um, just email me at sherryannwilson at gmail.com if you're interested. Or message me in direct Messenger um and then go to churchshift.me and look at that training on the ecclesia the marketplace and the role of politics for the christian all right so this week we'll get back to our urgent education as well thank goodness there were no cat attacks that was very stressful last time i just deleted the video because it was ridiculous and i'm glad we got to get together today so i'm going to hit the gym get that sudden burst of energy because i'm done with my staycation and I got up at you know five something this morning and I'm tired after sleeping in for over a week so I better go get that second wind and I will see you guys again this week